All right, preach the word, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. I know a lot of you are our guests today, and you don't even realize how many people are sitting around you who are guests from out of town today, but we're so glad you came to be with us and to worship with us. And especially, I'm thankful that we've got some people here that were in my youth group a long time ago. Adam Hobbs, what are you, like 48 now or something? 48 years old? And then Christy, and probably others too. I'm just so glad you guys are here. And we've got some guests here uh, from Texas Tech. Anybody? Yeah? That's the, uh, that's the track team over there, and they ran 12 miles around Grindstone before they came to church today. Just like all of us, right? Same thing we did. We're so glad you guys are here. We have a couple of words we like to say here, and uh, since you're guests, I'm trying to give you a little warning. I'll say the two words, and if these words are things that you need in your life and you believe to be true, then say them with all your heart. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Amen. Glad you are here today. A couple of things are going on here at Gateway this week that are pretty important that we want you to know about. We announced to you last week that Mike Kelly is being hired on here at Gateway as our Wednesday night worship minister, and we'll be doing instrumental worship this fall on Wednesday nights. And so that starts this Wednesday. We'll have an instrumental worship service, and we'll have a communion service, and we'll be doing that the entire fall, all through the fall, every Wednesday night, we'll be having instrumental worship, and we'll have our classes as well, and our meal, and everything we've done. And at the end of the fall, when we get to the beginning of uh, the new year, the elders will be evaluating, has this helped us accomplish our mission? Our mission at Gateway is to grow closer to Christ and encourage others to grow closer to Christ. And so that's what we'll be doing on Wednesday nights. I hope that you'll come be a part of that. Uh, I know that you'll be blessed if you will be here with us on Wednesday. Also, at the end of this week, my family and I, Amy and Josh and myself, and then Raina is meeting us there, we're all going to a family wedding. My niece is getting married, and so that's this coming Saturday night in Colorado, and we'll be at a wedding. And so next Sunday morning, I won't be with you, but those of you, most of you at Gateway know uh, what a treat you're in for because you've heard this guy preach here at Gateway before. It's, it's one of my best friends over in Roswell. His name is Robert Moore, and he'll be here next Sunday. Isn't that awesome, Caitlin? That's awesome, isn't it? Robert Moore is going to be here next Sunday, and he, he's going to start a brand new series that we'll be talking about for the next five or six weeks about the life of Elijah. Elijah, if you remember that story in the Bible, amazing things that God did, and the Bible tells us he was a person just like us. That's exactly right. And I can't wait for us to look at this story. You could be reading that this week, the story of Elijah and getting ready for next week and Robert Moore being here to speak. We are finishing a series today, and this series is titled, When Necessary. And it comes from a quote from Francis of Assisi. As I said, the first week, uh, I think that's an unfortunate name to have. But that's his name, Francis of Assisi. And this is what Francis of Assisi said several hundred years ago. Preach the gospel at all times. In other words, with your life, live your life in such a way that 
people see the good news. And I've said this, I think, every week. Those of you that I know from Rudoso, those of you that I know from Gateway and that are regular guests and visitors here, I see you doing that in your life. I see you guys doing that at your job and in your neighborhoods and in the schools and where you live. I see you living lives that are authentic and good and, and kind and loving and patient and forgiving. I see you living these kind of lives. I know you're not perfect. None of you do that all the time. But I see you living out these kinds of lives. And with your life, with your actions, you are preaching the good news at all times. But then Francis of Assisi goes on and finishes with this famous quote. He says, when necessary. And why does he use this word necessary? Why would it ever be necessary for us to speak up and for people to hear the gospel, the good news? And the reason it's necessary is because Because even though our culture doesn't like this and it's not popular right now and there's a lot of other great ideas that people have in the culture, the Bible teaches that when people die, that there are two destinations. There is the destination of eternal life forever and ever with God. And there is what the Bible calls the second death, or the lake of fire, or hell. And that these are the two destinations of every person who lives on the earth. And so, why would it be necessary? Because people are driving toward a cliff of eternity that they're going to drive off of, and one or the other is going to happen. And so why would it be necessary? It is necessary for us to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel, to live the gospel, because the implications are eternal. He says, when necessary, use words. Use words. What kind of words? Well, that's what this whole series has been about. What kind, of words, what kind of words are we going to use in order to speak up when necessary? And just as a quick recap, over the last three weeks, we've said we want to use biblical words. We don't only want to just say, well, it's my opinion, or my grandma taught me, or I think probably, or the guy at my church said. We don't want to say that. At some point in the conversation, somewhere along the way, we want to say the words, well, The Bible says, and we want to use biblical words when necessary. We also said a couple of weeks ago, we want to use your your words, our own words, your story. What is your story? What is the day when Jesus saved you? What is the day when your whole life changed? It used to be But Jesus came and saved. This is your story, and now your life is. That's a powerful story. That's something that God can use to save a person who is driving off the cliff of eternity. To be saved. Your story. And then last week, we talked about awkward words. 
that the devil has a trick that he says to most of us who are Christians. We know there's a person that's not a follower of Christ. We know there's a person who has never responded to the gospel. We know there's a person who, who, who's lost. And we love them. We care about them. They're our friend. They're our family member. They're our neighbor. We love them. We care about them. But the devil has a trick. Well, don't say anything yet. Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 not yet, not yet. Wait, wait until the perfect time. Oh, just wait until it's not so awkward. But we said last week that any time we talk about that Jesus died for you and you need this, that is awkward. That's saying to a person, you have a problem called sin and it's separating you from God and you need what Jesus has to offer you. Awkward. Yeah, it's always, every time, going to feel that way and you'll survive it. You'll live through the awkwardness to tell about it on the other side. This week, as we finish the series, I want to share with you what I believe to be what I believe is the most important words that we want to be prepared to share when necessary. And as a way of introduction, let me just tell you this quick little story that I've read, and I, you know, I'm pretty sure it's true because I read it on the internet, and so I think it's true. I really did go check Snopes or whatever it's called, and they say it's true. So anyways, this is, uh, you guys remember this guy from the 80s? William Perry? What was he called? The refrigerator. He's always about 350 pounds, something like that, played for the Chicago Bears. I think they even let him carry the ball one time, and he just knocked everybody down like bowling pins, you know. And, and so there's a story that's been going around for a few years now about the coach, Mike Ditka, who was giving a pregame pep talk, and he's telling the guys, you know, we're going to go win. But just before he starts giving the pep talk, he looks at William Perry, and he says to him, he says, hey, you say the Lord's Prayer when I get done. And then he goes on with his pep talk. Well, there's two guys, two football players, his teammates that are sitting over here, and they're looking across the circle, and they can see William Perry right over there, and they can see him fidgeting and like nervous and like sweating, and they can see his eyes getting big. And football player number one leans over to football player number two, and he goes, look at Perry. He doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. And football player number two says, no way, man. Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. He knows the Lord's Prayer. And they keep looking at him, and football player number one says to him, he says, I'll bet you $100 he doesn't know the Lord's Prayer, which the guy telling the story said, isn't it ironic that they're gambling over whether somebody knows the Lord's Prayer or not? So this football player number two says, you're on. He said, I know he knows the Lord's Prayer. And he says, you know, so... so." Um, so, here they go. Ditka finishes. He finishes with a big bang. He looks at Perry, gives him the nod. William Perry bows his head. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. And football player number, football player number one says to football player number two, I guess you're right. He does know the Lord's Prayer. Gives him a hundred bucks. (laughs) 
Now, if you don't know the Lord's Prayer, then you can go look it up, and then that, that'll be funny. That'll be a funny story for you. But I think the story is, is funny to us, but I think it reveals something. It reveals something that's probably universally true about all of us who are followers of Jesus, and that is we're afraid that we're going to get it wrong. We're scared that, what if I don't remember the biblical words? What if I forget the Bible verse? What if I tell my story and I mess up? What if they ask me a question and I don't know the right answer? And today we're going to talk about words that you can always get right because they are very personal, simple words about our Savior, Jesus Christ. The last kind of words that we want to make sure that we're ready to say when necessary are Jesus' words. That's what we want to say. We want to say the name of Jesus. And we want to see how it makes all the difference. I want to ask you a question to think about during the next few minutes of my sermon. And here it is, and I'm going to come out into the sanctuary in a few minutes, and I'm going to ask you, some of you to answer the question. So be thinking about it. What do you love about Jesus? What do you love about Jesus? I want you to be thinking about that, because I'm coming in just a few minutes with a microphone, and it'll be awkward. But first, let's pray. Let's pray, and uh, then we'll read our text. I just want to, just, before we pray, I just want to say this. I wanna, I've asked it every week. Right now, I want you to think of one person that you know, a person that's a friend, a family member, a neighbor, a co-worker, somebody that you know who is not a follower of Christ, someone that you know who is lost. And I'm asking you, if you have that one, one person's name in your mind right now, I'm asking you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand and hold it up for just a minute. Everybody who knows one person who's not a follower of Christ. Okay. And those of you who didn't raise your hand, I, w- I want you to pray that God would help you meet a person who's not a follower of Christ. If you don't know anybody who's not a follower of Christ, then you've missed the reason God has kept you here. That's why you're here on this earth. So if you don't know anybody who's lost, pray and beg God to help you find someone to be a friend to who's not a follower of Jesus. So right now, for all those hands that were raised, those represent a person. So God, I'm going to keep my hand up for just a minute. And I I just want to say, Lord, that that was a lot of hands. That's a lot of people who are not followers of Jesus, who've never responded to Christ, who've never asked Him to be their Lord and Savior. And God, I'm just saying, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying, God, that you would help us to live out authentic lives in front of these people. We care about them. And we know eternity is, is on the other side. It's real. And we, we ask you, God, when necessary, to give us courage to speak up and say words for you, Lord. I ask you to move powerfully. You told us that the only way a person, these people that we raised our hand for, the only way they could come to you is if you draw them. We can't convince them. We can't manipulate them. You, Holy Spirit, must move in their lives. So we're holding up, I'm holding his hand up for all these hands that were up, and I'm praying for you to move in these lives, God, this week. Please, Lord, let your gospel, let your gospel powerfully move into the lives of the people that we love, our friends, our neighbors, the people in the dorm next to us, 
the people that we work with, our uncles and aunts, our grandchildren, our spouse, whoever we had our hand up for, God, we're praying that you would work powerfully in their lives. Lord, we pray for those people that, were, that have been victims in, in South Texas and in Louisiana, and God, we just pray that, that the, the church might be one part of, of how, this, uh, how, how it's you bring relief. We pray that it would not just only be the government. We pray that the church would rise up, that your bride would rise up and, and help and be there. Help us to find ways that we might do that. And we pray, God, we pray that you would, uh, that you would just bring those people together in uh, ways that will, that for the kingdom of God, that people's lives will be moved toward you, that they may have lost their home, but through this tragedy that they might somehow find an eternal home, that they might meet somebody that's a follower of Christ that would share the good news. God, as we read from Acts today, from Acts, from your book, from your words, would you please be our teacher? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Great story here. Awesome. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, okay, now Philip, if you don't know, Philip's a follower of Christ, okay, said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So this man is not a follower of Christ, but he's trying to find God. He's been to Jerusalem to worship. He's heading back home. Verse 28, and on his way home, was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of scripture, and here's the key right here, folks, and told him the good news about Jesus. This man is reading from the Old Testament, and Philip moves the conversation to words about Jesus. And Philip did three important things, and I'm going to move through them pretty fast because I want to get to the end of our lesson. We've got a couple of things that we want to finish with. So here's the three things that he did. Number one, he listened to the Holy Spirit. Verse 29 says, the Spirit told Philip. Now, through the years as a minister and just in my friendships and just with people. I've had lots of people say and ask the question, how, how can you know if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? How do I know if it's the Holy Spirit or it's just me thinking thoughts or it's like the enchilada I had last night at Casablanca? I mean, how am I supposed to know what this thought is? Well, I don't know that I'm an expert on this, but I'll say this. Here's a couple of litmus tests for me personally. 
First of all, is it what the Bible teaches me to do? So if I hear a voice in my head that says, go to your neighbor's house and steal their big screen TV, then it's positively sure that's not the Holy Spirit telling me that because the Bible says, love your neighbor. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Don't steal your neighbor's big screen TV. I know that's not the Holy Spirit. But if the Holy Spirit, if I hear a voice that says, now's the time, speak up for God in this conversation, there's a good chance that's the Holy Spirit because that's what the Bible tells us to do. Speak into the lives of the people around us. Be the light of the world. Be the salt of the earth. Here's the second litmus test I think of. Is this for the good of others or is it only selfish thinking about myself. So if I hear a voice that says to me, John, your whole life needs to be about making tons of money. That's what your existence is about. That's what you need to live your life for, for yourself and your family and your generations to come. You need to get a whole bunch of money. That's what you need to live for. I know that's not the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with making money. I'm not saying that. But I know that's not the Holy Spirit because... The Bible says, the Bible says this. What does it say? Hold on, I'll think of it in just a second. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things are going to be added to you. Seek first. Make your life about the kingdom of God. Not about yourself and your selfish desires and hoarding things and getting what you want. Make your life about the kingdom and about others. So if I hear a voice that says, This is the moment, John, right now. I know it's going to feel uncomfortable and awkward, and I know these people are going to think you're a weirdo and you're not going to be very popular, so it's not going to be good for you, but now's the moment. Speak up for God right now. There's a good chance that's the Holy Spirit. We could probably have a dozen lessons about how to hear the Holy Spirit and how to know if the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. But for today, let's just say this. If something inside of you is encouraging you to speak up for Jesus, if a voice inside is saying, now's the time to be courageous, right now, if it's an internal nudge in your heart that's moving you toward a conversation with your friend about Christ, there is a good chance that is the Holy Spirit. Listen to The Holy Spirit, that's what Philip did. The second thing Philip did is that he went and he initiated the meeting. Verse 30 says, it doesn't say, so Philip waited around to see what was going to happen after the Holy Spirit told him to go. He didn't wait around. Verse 30 says he ran. If God has put a person on your heart this morning, even during this lesson, you're visiting from out of town and you just are here and you thought, wow, I haven't even thought about my neighbor, my cousin, so-and-so in a long time. And God's put that person on your heart today. Don't wait. Run to the person this week. Call the person this week. Ask if they have lunch plans. Text the person today. Right now during my sermon, get your phone out. Stop looking at the game and switch over to texting and text the person that God put on your heart right now and say, I was just thinking about you. How are you doing? And see where that conversation leads. 
Call and invite that person to some common interest that you both love to do. Go hang out with them and see if the conversation can move that way today. Don't wait. Run. Initiate the meeting with the person that God put on your heart. And here's the third thing and the last thing, and that is that Philip used words. He didn't just run to the chariot and run along and set a good example beside the guy. Hey, look at me. I'm living a great life as I run beside your chariot. He talked to him specifically about Jesus Christ. Verse 35 says that he started with that very passage. He started with that passage. And here's here's the cool thing. The more you read the Bible, the more and more every year, all through your life, the more you read the Bible, you figure out every one of these pages, every one of these books in the Bible is about Jesus. Every single one of them. That's what these are all about. And so if you happen to be in a conversation, and maybe you are sometimes, People like to talk about the Bible. They like to talk about the hot topic, the popular thing. Maybe somebody, recently in the last 10 years, I've heard lots of people talk about Revelation. Some books came out. Everybody had all kinds of questions about Revelation. And so people bring it up. Oh, I was reading this. You know, I wonder what's going to happen in Revelation, this and that. And so if you're in a conversation like that, you can start with this very passage in Revelation. And you can simply say what you believe about it or that you don't, you know, I'm not sure what you're saying is right or wrong. But let me tell you my favorite part in Revelation. Jesus is the Lamb of God in Revelation. That's my favorite part. I love that. I love that Jesus died for our sins. Lots of people over the last several decades have loved to talk about angels, movies about angels, books about angels. You can listen to what people think about angels, and you can have a conversation, and you can throw in there what you think about angels. But don't just have a conversation about angels. Start with that very passage and say, you know what my favorite passage is? I think it's in Hebrew somewhere. It says that Jesus is even better than angels. And so I might have a guardian angel that's watching over me, but I guarantee you I've got Jesus in my heart. You could move the conversation that way. Right now, there's so much talk in the world about uh, about, about the Middle East and about uh, whether, you know, the, the fighting that goes on there and, and some, you know, a lot of people want to say, well, it's because, you know, some, some people that follow the Quran they say that it's Ishmael, he was the father, and the Bible says that it was Isaac that was the father, and so that's what causes all the problems, and, you know, there's all kind of discussions about why that happens, and, and so you can listen to that, and you can even enter in, and you could say your opinion about it if you want to, that's great, but don't let that be the end of the conversation. You could say, you know what is awesome to me is that Jesus died for the people who think their father was Isaac and the people who think their father was Ishmael. Jesus died for the whole world. Jesus loves all of us. You can move the conversation. It might even not be, it probably won't be a conversation that's necessarily even about the Bible. It might just be a conversation about fear or anger or sadness as they tell you about their life. And you can enter into that with your friend and wade through it with them and say, man, I remember when I was afraid this happened to me and I know what you're feeling. I'm sorry that's going on. Let me tell you how Jesus has helped me when I've been afraid. Or it may not be something that's sad. It may be that they're excited, love, joy. They got engaged. They had a baby. Things are going great. They got a new job. And you can, you can enter into that with them and celebrate And you can say, man, isn't God good? Or Jesus has really blessed you. You can bring Jesus into any conversation, starting right where the conversation starts. And we can pray that it could happen more and more naturally throughout our life. Philip told 
the Ethiopian the good news about Jesus. And I want to ask you guys, I'm going to bring this microphone around, because I want to know what is the good news about Jesus. And I'm going to ask the question again. Maybe I have it on a slide. I'm not sure. Do I have it on a slide? I do, sort of. I can't know if you can read that or not, but it basically says, the thing I love about Jesus. What do you love about Jesus? And I always start on west side for some reason. I'm starting on east side today. So I just want to come over here, and I want somebody to raise their hand, and I just want you to tell me, what do you love about Jesus? Gary, do you love something about Jesus? I absolutely do. What do you love? I love the sacrifice that he made for all of us. Amen. That's awesome. How about you, Paula? Do you love something about yes, Jesus? I, I love his forgiveness for all of our sins. Amen. And we can't forgive ourselves. Amen. That's right. What do you love about Jesus? I love the healing power he gives us. Amen. That's right. What do you love about Jesus? I love that he spent all of his time with the common man. Yes. That's awesome. You must be from Texas. I thought you might. Here, let me go to Central, Central Church right here. What do you guys love about Jesus? Somebody over here. What do you love about Jesus? Patricia? I love like when he fed the 5,000, he can take my little bit and turn it into a lot. Ooh, amen. That's right. Somebody at the back, back here. What do you guys love about Jesus? Don't let it be true. People that sit on the back row aren't really listening. You know, come on. Uh, all right, good. There we go. There's a back row person right there. What do you love about Jesus? I just love that he's my savior. And he is, he, what he did is for everyone, just like you said. He's the savior of the world. All we've got to do is do what he asks. Amen. Thank you. That's awesome. Somebody else right here in the middle. What do you guys love about Jesus? He was joyful when persecuted. Whew. That's awesome. What else? What do you guys love about Jesus? Here I am right here. Don't miss your chance. I love Jesus because during the agonizing times, during the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but thine. Thank you, Lord. He did that for us. He did that for us. Heather, I'm so glad you're here today. Answered prayers. I love his unconditional compassion. Ooh, amen. Thank you. That's exactly right. All right. Don't let us down, East Side. What do you guys, what do you guys love? West Side. Did I get backwards today? I did. What do you guys love about Jesus? Got to have one, one. Okay, come on, Cindy. I know you're scared of a mic, but give it a try. <laughs> I love his compassion for sinners. How he, especially one comes to mind when they were stoning that woman. Yeah. And, and he said, you throw this first stone. Amen. You without sin. Amen. Hi, Adam. I'm really glad to see you. You want to say one? I love that he has a long hair, has long hair and a beard. <laughs> That's not my favorite thing about Jesus. All right, is it one person from tech? Somebody represent one person. What do you love about Jesus? One person. Anybody? 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 This young lady right here. Here you go. Hand that over, John, to her. I love that he's all-knowing and we can put our trust in him. Amen. Thank you. That's awesome. All right. Uh, one more in the back back here. What do you guys love about Jesus? Right back here. Right at the back. What do you guys love? Yes, sir. Answering my prayers. Boy, isn't that the truth? He answered your prayers with that woman right there that you've been married to. How long have you guys been married? 72 years. 
See folks, here's the deal. Here's what I want you guys to understand is we make it so complicated sometimes. Maybe I've even done that in this series a little bit, but here's the point. That's the good news. You just said, this is what I love about Jesus. And the people who don't know Jesus need to hear what you just said because they haven't fallen in love with him yet. They need to hear the words that you just said. Now I want you to hear. I want you to hear from one more person this morning as, as we come very close to the end of our lesson. I want you to hear about how God helped him this summer. This guy has been going here to Gateway to our church since he's about 10 years old. And uh, he has decided that he wants to be a, a youth minister in his life. And this summer, he went off to Grants, New Mexico, and he worked with Matt Clark. And God helped him have the courage to use words when necessary. And so I want you guys to give a big, huge gateway welcome to Colin Bovary. Come on, Colin. All right, it is, it is wonderful for me to be here uh, with my Gateway family this morning and just to come back um, and to see y'all's faces. Um, and I want to start off this morning just by, just by extending uh, just a thank you to y'all. Um, my Gateway family was a huge part of opening some of the doors that needed to be opened for me to go to Grants this summer. Um, I felt the Lord calling me to Grants, uh, but at the same time, Matt told me up front, he said, you can come, uh, but we're not going to pay you. And I said, that's fine. I said, I want to go. I feel like the Lord is calling me. And I was fully prepared to go out there and just go and get the experience. Um, and then my Gateway family, they said, <clears throat> we want to support you in this. They said, we see, that, we see that this is something the Lord is calling you to. And we see that this is an area that the Lord has blessed you and has given you an opportunity. Has given you an opportunity. And they said, we want to, we want to send you into that. Um, we want to support you. And so I want to just say thank you to y'all uh, for supporting me in that way um, and for, for opening some of those doors that allowed me to have the experiences that I had this summer. So I just wanted to share with y'all a little bit um, of what you paid for um, and of what you sent me into. Um, and so I went out there. I went out there this summer, and I was expecting great things to happen, but I had no clue the magnitude of the good things that the Lord was going to do this summer. Um, I went out there. Um, and right away, I hit the ground running. I started working with Matt, um, and he just had all these things lined up for me to do. He said, here's some, here's some books I want you to read, and here's some, um, some practices I want you to get into. Um, and he said, he said, lots of internships that you would find are going to try to throw you right into the administrative side. A lot of things that you're going to find, um, they're going to they're gonna be focused on office hours and on you know, uh, cleaning floors and setting up with meetings. And he said, while that stuff is important, what I want from you this summer is I want you to grow. He said, I want you to grow spiritually, and I want you to grow in your ministry. And I want you to grow in, in pouring into others as the Lord is pouring into you. Um, and he said, he said, in order for that to happen, you have to have this rich supply that's being poured into you in these, in these times with the Lord that you have. So one of the first things that I did this summer, he said, when you come into the office in the morning, I want, each, I want you to get here an hour and a half early. And I want you to spend that time with the Lord. I want you to have these private moments with the Lord and this, this quiet time where he's just pouring into you. And so sometimes that, sometimes that looked like a time of just me sitting and listening, and sometimes that was a time of worship, and sometimes that was a time um, of just journaling um, and speaking into the lives of others. But, but that time in the morning was this time that grounded me, and it was this time that the Lord was, was just pouring himself into me and showing me these deep places in his heart. And he said, from that... Since you have this base and since you have this grounding and you're being poured into, he said, from that, I want you to go out 
And I want you to be pouring that into others because your cup is at a point where it's overflowing and your cup is at a point where you can't hold anymore, so this is the time for you to pour into other people. And so I got the experiences of, of teaching and of preaching and, and leading worship, bringing people into these intimate places of worship with me. And I had these experiences of, of being so full that the Lord, what the Lord was pouring into me was just, was just falling out. And it was falling into the lives of those that I was in ministry with. Um, and, and when I would have these times, I would get up and I would speak. And I would just, I would have all of these things that I planned. I would sit down and I would plan and I would write out a whole, a whole sermon or a whole lesson. And 80% of the time I got up there and I said maybe 5 to 10% of what I planned. Um, and that's kind of how I work. That's kind of what I do. Um, I'm a very go-with-the-flow person. Um, but I found out that, that as I would get up there and as I would start speaking, I would try to take things in this direction, and the Lord would say, this is the direction that I want you to be moving. And this is the direction that I want you to be going because this is what's going to impact the people you're speaking to. And so I would have these experiences with the Spirit where, where I would come in with my mindset on one thing, and then He would lead me in this direction. And, and learning and growing in this area of following what the Spirit was doing brought fulfillment and it brought joy and it brought visible fruits in my ministry. And so as this, as this series has been, has been wrapping up, as John has been talking about using words when necessary, uh, something came to mind from my summer. Um, and so to lay a, bit, a little bit of groundwork, um, every week um, and every time that they have a service in grants, uh, Matthew has a practice of after the lesson is over and after he's, he's taught what he needs to teach, he has this time of ministry, and he says, we're going to move into a time where, um, where we're just going to allow the Spirit to move, and we're going to allow what we've heard and what we've learned, and we're going to take that, and we're going to put it into practice, and we're going to use these words the Spirit is giving us to minister to other people. And so he told me from the very beginning, he said, what I want you to be doing is every time during ministry time, I want you to ask the Lord to highlight just one person. Um, and, and you may not know what what needs to happen in that situation or what you need to do with that, but I want you to ask the Lord to highlight a person for you. And once he's done that, then you can move, to, move from there. And so sometimes we'd be in ministry time, and I'd have a person um, just through the whole service that I've been just waiting for. The Lord had highlighted for them, and I knew exactly what I wanted to tell them. I knew exactly what needed to be said, and then I would go up, and I would do that, and there would be fruit in that. And sometimes we get to ministry time, and about halfway through, I finally get someone and I'm like, all right, I have no words, I have nothing, I'm just going to go, um, and maybe, you know, I'll find it along the way, maybe he'll say something, he'll give me a word or a phrase on the way over there, but the Lord is faithful. Every time the Lord would give me someone, he would point someone out to me, and I would walk over there, and sometimes it would just be one word, it would be the word peace, or the word boldness. And every time, if I just go, and I would speak, I would speak these words that sometimes were awkward. Um, sometimes uh, I had no clue the person that, that was highlighted for me. I had no clue why it was that person or what, what needed to happen in that situation. But if you go, the Lord is faithful. And the words that seem awkward at first, you'll notice they'll start to flow if you're following the Spirit. And so what I want to leave you with, um, just as I wrap up, is that every single time, if the words are awkward, if the words aren't even coming I can promise you that every single time, when it's necessary to use words, the words will come. And the Spirit is good. So as I wrap up, I just want to say thank you to y'all again, um, to my family for just supporting me in this, um, and to 
to providing um, just, just the ways that the Lord um, was wanting to grow me this summer and, and seeing the benefits that, that would come out of that um, and just sending me off into that. And I want you all to know um, that this summer was an experience that was, that was a launching pad for me um, into my ministry and, and an experience that I will that I can look at and say every morning when I woke up this summer and I, and I got ready to go into the office every morning, I got to wake up, I got to go in, and I knew that this is what I was created to do. And I got to go in and do the work that the Lord had set out for me every single day. So I want to thank you all again um, for just blessing me in this um, and for, for opening this door for me to have these experiences this summer. So I love you all and thank you. Thank you, Colin. One last story, and then you can go to lunch. This last week, I got to go with three of my best friends. Just a huge gift, a huge blessing to go ride uh, bicycles, which is something I love to do. We got to do it right by the ocean, and uh, that was awesome, except the heat index was about 116, so we had to get up before the sun came up and go ride very early in the morning before uh, we died. And so in the afternoon, one afternoon, we went to go on a little fishing boat, and we showed up at the uh, Andalay 2, was the name of the boat, and we got on the boat, and the captain, Roberto, came on, he introduced himself, got to know our names, started talking to us, asking us where we're from, and just kind of going through his deal. He probably does with every person who gets on his boat. And then this man, Roberto, said, and it was in broken English, English is his second language, let me tell you, let me tell you about me. I'm a follower of Jesus. And before I met Jesus, well, and he pulls his shirt like this, and there's this big stab wound. He goes, that's what happened to me before I met Jesus. And he said, see this scar right here? This right here? That was before Jesus. And he goes, look at this. And he pulls his shirt up, and there's like this knife mark across the middle of his back. That was before Jesus. He said, before Jesus, I lost everything. I lost my family. I lost I lost my home. I didn't have any money. I lost my kids. I lost everything. I didn't have anything. I almost died. And people were telling me, they were saying, they said to me, they said, just trust El Dios. Trust God. Trust the God. Trust El Dios. Yes. Am I saying that right? El Dios? Is that right? Yeah, close enough. Okay. Anyways, so trust God. And he said, no. No, that's wrong. That's not right. We don't just trust El Dios. We have to we have to trust Jesus in order to have El Dios. And he said, finally, somebody said the words to me. You need to meet my friend, Jesus. And he said, well, let me meet him because this ain't working for me. Who's Jesus? And he said, somebody told me who Jesus was. And since then, my whole life has changed. And I stood there on that little boat and I thought, Man, if God can use a man in, in Mexico 
who's probably making a few pesos a day to speak up for Jesus. A man whose life had fallen apart. If he can use him to have that much courage, what could he do through you? What could he do through me? What could he do at the beginning with all those hands that were raised? What could he do? And the thing I love, Steve told me this. Steve's been on the Roberto's boat before, and he told me, he said, nobody gets on Roberto's boat without hearing about Jesus. And may it be true of your life and my life. Nobody gets on the boat with us. Nobody goes along in our life for a little ways walking beside us without hearing something about Jesus. Amen? May it be so. May God use our lives as authentic, real, beautiful lives to preach the gospel. And we pray. I just pray right now, God. I ask you to give us courage. I ask you to give us the words. I ask you to help us speak up. Help us to trust you like Colin said. Help us, God, when necessary, to speak into the lives of these people we love. We pray it'll make all the difference for eternity. For the sake of Jesus, for the kingdom, we pray, God, change us. Help us not to be afraid anymore to speak up. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. We want to share it with other people. You are our all in all. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never cried out to him and asked him to be your savior, today's the day, right now. Right now is the day, if you've never done that, to do that today. We have an invitation on you. Come down here. If you've been a believer in Christ and you've never been baptized, today's the day. Be baptized today. If you are afraid, if you are scared to death to get up and leave this room because you know God's put it on your heart, I need to go talk to that person. I'm scared. There are elders here that will pray with you to have courage. We're going to have an invitation song. Don't miss it. Don't miss it if God's tugging on your heart. Let's stand and let's sing.